Yeah. Look, I know. I know. I look, I already know that you recorded a congrats for our 100th episode, but we'd like for you to do it again for our 100th mainline episode too. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. All right. Thanks anyway. I can't believe this, man. Everybody who I reached out to turned me down to record a congrats for our 100th episode today. I mean, to be 100% perfectly fair here, we already did pull that card when we hit 100 total episodes. You know, it's a bit weird to be like, hey, it's been our 100th episode. And then come again, it's like, hey, it's our 100th episode and ask for something both times, you know? I mean, I mean, I guess it still would have been cool to get those people to do something for this 100th episode. Wouldn't be the first time you've called something a hundredth episode. Now, would it, Tay? Okay, now that was uncalled for, good <laughs> sir. That was uncalled for. Oh, well, I mean, look, there's nothing we can really do about this, right? Nothing we can really do about it. I mean, I don't really want to do some bullshit cold opening just to waste our listeners' time, right? Sounds like a family guy thing. hate when shows do that. Yeah, me too. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. Joining me, as always, from the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta, my co-host, Tim Jancy. Tim, how's it going, sir? It's going pretty good, going pretty good. We had a big old uh, snowstorm up in the mountains, although not much came to Calgary, and uh, I decided to go hiking through that. Oh, yeah? How, how was that? I thought the shoes I was wearing were better than they were. So I fell. Oh, shit. What kind of shoes did you wear? I was wearing a pair of leather boots. The grip just wasn't good enough. I should have been wearing my uh, heavier boots so I could just sink into the slush a bit more. Right. But no, I was sliding down the mountain. Oh, shit. Uh, Where else did you go hiking? Uh, we just went up uh, in Kananaskis country just near Banff. Right. And yeah, so we went up uh, a trail called Grassy Lakes, I think. And yeah, like... The actual hike itself, it's, if the weather was good mm-hmm. and the trail wasn't half ice, it's a simple hike, 30 minutes. By the way, I love the fact that Chelsea's like nodding in agreement right behind you. I mean, yeah. I remember Chelsea and I like the night before, it's like, is this a good idea? People are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it was like, next time I know if I'm going winter hiking at all, I need to bring extra shoes, extra socks, more towels, and just leave them in the car. I mean, it's better safe to be than sorry, right, man? Well, it's just something I didn't think of. And now that I've had this experience, hopefully I'll think of it in the future. Well, I imagine funny. Chelsea's looking at the well, background, the just like, come on, yeah, <laughs> you won't. When you have these sort of, when you go hiking, stuff like this, like, you never really think about it. You're thinking like, oh yeah, this is going to be a fun hike. It'll take a couple hours. We're in and around, right? Well, it was like, I was expecting, I was expecting it to be wet. 
and I just didn't complete the thought, you know, because it's like, okay, I, I need something waterproof. I didn't think I'm going to need something spare when the waterproofing fails. God, you, you know, and you look, you've lived how many years on the island? You think you would be used to this by now, but no, well, it's like if I was smart. Yeah, if I was smart, I would have taken a second pair of boots. It was funny, though, because like uh, we went to a restaurant in Banff afterwards and we're sitting in the booth and I just have like my shoes off. I'm wearing someone else's socks. Just like trying to dry, like I dried out the boots a bit on the way, the way over with a towel that I took like paper towel from the water. wiping water out good lord and the the boots are leather too so they're gonna take a while to dry oh yeah yeah i mean honestly i don't know why you would have taken leather boots tim but you know because they're water they're very water resistant until they are not that's the problem with leather they're great and then the dam breaks yeah yeah shitty deal man shitty deal but it's like, I think everyone's boots failed. Right. And uh, one of the guys we're uh, hiking with, he's from uh, Texas, and he's up visiting his girlfriend, who was uh, one of Chelsea's colleagues. And he's he comes in and freaking, he comes in with sneakers, but they gave him like plastic bags to wrap his socks in. So it's shoes, shoes, bag, sneakers. Jeez. Sorry, shoes, bag, socks. And uh, I don't know how well that worked out for keeping his feet dry, but... Uh, as we're going down, he's like, hey, who would have thought sneakers not good for traction? And it's just a good laugh all the way down. That's true. It's like, you know, do you remember? I don't remember what episode it was of The Simpsons where Principal Skinner's giving Mo shit because he doesn't have shoes on. He goes, what, you don't like my bags? And he's just a couple of Dempster bags on his feet with a some like a bow on it. Well, it's basically what we did for him. Yeah. Oh, uh, good Lord. How many people did you go with anyway? Uh, there was five of us. So. Basically, I, I drove around picking up everyone. Then we realized that two of the guys we were with were quite large. And uh, if I was driving, Chelsea was actually the only person who could be in the front seat because I only have my learners. And Chelsea's the only person, I think, who had a full Alberta license and was over the age of 25. Hmm. And yeah, so if I was to be the person to drive, Chelsea would have to be in the front seat. So you've got like two guys who are like six foot five. <laughs> the back of a Toyota Camry, right? Yeah. And that that's not going to play. No. And no, like, I, like I've seen your Camry and yeah, I don't know how you could fit more than two people in the back, but. Well, so it was myself, uh, Chelsea's friend Kaylee and Chelsea in the back. So it was three not very big people. Because okay. like I'm tall, but I'm, I'm not th- like the only thing that's kind of broad is my shoulders. Yeah, you're lanky. That's that's the way to put. You're lanky is what it is. I'm kind of lanky. Yeah. You were, yeah, you were. Well, I mean, you were more lanky when you were younger. When I was younger, yeah. I filled out. I've definitely filled out since. But uh, what was I going to say? Right. So what was funny is we tried to take the scenic route to the trail, mm-hmm. but uh, we got on to. So we did the first about twenty five minutes down Highway Forty, and then we turned on to the back road. That's like this really nice winding mountain road. You already see where this is fucking going, don't you? The snow was piled above the guardrail. Really? And uh, I'm in a, we're in a fucking camera. So it's just like, yeah, I know we're not getting through this. And like, I have winter tires, right? Right. So it's like, but even with winter tires, yeah, that's not happening. 
no, because there's only so much you could do in winter tires at that point, right? Yeah, like the thing unless is, you have like chains or something, but even chains, you're not heavy enough. Mm. Like you need weight for traction. So like we saw this guy in like a big, like a fairly large truck just keep on going, and it was like, yeah, he has enough mass in that vehicle to keep going. We don't have the mass, even with like five people in a Camry. No, no, that's a that's a good point. So Tim. We got ourselves a great episode today. So, you know, we've got top of the hour. We've got a couple games to talk about. But before we do that, we got to talk about today's cover athlete. Because today's episode is Season 5, Episode 5, in chronological order. Episode 100. There is no cover athlete. I thought we were the cover athletes. I mean, we can be the cover athletes if you want, but... Yeah, yeah. That's kind of self-serving, isn't it, though? If it's our We're podcast. celebrating 100 episodes, Tay. It's Again. already, by definition, self-serving. True. But, I mean, how many times do you get to hit 100 episodes, though? Exactly. So why can't we be the cover athletes? That's fair. It's fair. I've always wanted to be third-line plug cover athletes. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is good. Some good stuff here, man. Yeah, so uh, episode 100, it's the Tim and Tay episode of third-line plug Sedscast. So just for you guys who aren't fully aware, Tim and Tay both hail from Dr. British Columbia, Tim born in Halifax, Tay born on the island. We have over 100 episodes of podcasting under our collective belts, and uh, we hope to bring you hundreds more. So Tay, what is your favorite Ottawa Senators memory of Tim and Tay, the hosts of the Third Light Plug Sedscast? Wow. I mean... God, there's just so many though that's the only thing right there's so many memories that we can talk about we can talk about you know a lot of the good times a lot of the bad times the amount of times i brought up the angel 100 classic some of the games that we got to go to it's good it's really good yeah. and the fact is that we get to sit here every week and talk about our favorite moments and talk about some cool stuff is awesome right yeah i still think bizarrely one of the probably more engaging episodes that i felt that we did is just Remember that episode where we were talking about how weird that game in February of 2020 against the LA Kings was? Or you mean March? Sorry, March of 2020. Yeah, March 11th. March 11th. That was such a, going back and listening to that, it's like, between then and now, it's so different. It is. It's so different just because, again, like, that was really where we were like, what now like what do we really do like it's it was weird because again like with covid covid wiped out a lot of things it really threw a monkey wrench into a lot of things including this podcast because you and i were saying to each other like what do we do now like there's no games to talk about the season just came to an end out of like an abrupt end yeah although it was funny because i think when you and I are talking, it made me remember, like, oh yeah, the Suns have a ring of water. When you're like, yeah, let's do an episode about that. Yep. No, yeah. good. And that's still one of my favorite episodes, too. It's so good, right? I mean, the COVID episodes were so much fun to do just because again, without games, it was really much of a what do you want to do it on this week? How about this? Okay, let's do it. Hey, let's call up Bruce Firestone. Is he gonna do it? Oh, he's gonna do it. Sick. Yeah, I mean, and I'm just going through our SoundCloud thing right now. Let's see here. Season four, blah, 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 blah. Oh, That's from last season. 
Yeah, and I mean, look at like we went through Stuntman Stu, the Bobby Ryan, a complicated and polarizing retrospective. I thought that was one of our best episodes just because that was a matter of what, three, four days from like coming up with the idea and then doing it. And it was a tough, it's a tough thing to talk about too, right? Yeah, but I think it was an episode that it really lends itself to really look back on it just because of the fact that Bobby went from a guy who, it really, his tenure in Ottawa really went full circle in a matter of how many, what, six years he was in Ottawa because it went from like Bobby Ryan, everyone's excited for him to be here. Fans are kind of like, why is Bobby Ryan here? And then Bobby Ryan came back to be in everyone's good books again. Yeah, it was a very weird trip that Bobby Ryan went on, but he did actually have a pretty good year over in Detroit there too. So it was an interesting thing. And yeah, it was definitely one of the episodes that I really enjoyed uh, recording. Trying to think of another one just from uh, some of the earlier seasons that we don't talk about a lot is uh, remember that first, uh, I think it was our first uh, Hall of Fame wish list. Yep. And that was the first one we got to hit uh one of the first ones we got to hit on her listens. Yeah, that was really cool. I'm just gonna, I'm just looking it up right, right now. Uh, let's have a look. See, yeah, I mean, there's so many great episodes that we got to do. Let's have a look here. I well, here's a good one. What about the first time we interviewed Trevor Shackles? <laughs> but we do talk we about that one a lot. Well, you know, he was like the first interview we got to do, right? So that's true. That's true. That was cool. And then you know, the episodes we did in Calgary, like our top five worst hockey video games, which we dedicate to Razor Ray Emery. You know, we talked about our favorite current and all-time players. When we interviewed Nick Fleehart from Beer League Talk, that was cool because we had just done his 2018 draft article. Oh, which gosh. Going back, man, did we completely whiff on the Senators once. <laughs> got way too cute, man. I know, because I suggested we should have taken... Uh, what the hell is his name? He was a defenseman. He's with the Islanders now. No, Wallstrom. Uh, I can't remember the guy's name right now. But anyway, I suggested we should take him at four. You said trade the pick. And they took Brady. And we were just like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> Why are we taking Brady? Yeah, that take. Uh, not good. Yeah, that did not age well. <laughs> One Brent Wallace interview later. And we're just like, he's amazing. <laughs> I mean, it was fun. That's a moment, and I will still maintain, that's when the Brady went from a guy everybody's pissed about drafting him to he became an instant fan favorite in one moment. He hadn't even played a game yet. That's the one moment. He became a fan favorite right then and there. It was it was the face, man. Just a oof. Ooh. You told your girlfriend? Oof. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, it's like, he's going to be an asshole, but he's going to be our asshole. I know, and I and we love him. It's so good, man. It's so good. I mean, honestly, there's just so many moments and so many episodes that we could have talked about. But I mean, think of it. In the last five years that we've been doing this show, I mean, you think of the people we've talked to. It's like we've mentioned Jamie McLennan, Ian Mendez. We've talked to them twice. Bruce Firestone. We talked to some ex-Ottawa centers like Ron Tognut. That still surprises me. Even that, I don't know how we even got that. Because that was just a moment of, I'll shoot him a text or not shoot him a text. I'll tweet at him. He'll probably won't see. He's an ex player. He's been at least for like 20 years. He's not going to see this. He's not going to respond. He DMs me and I'm like, 
okay. I was not expecting this. And I messaged you like, so we're going to be interviewing Ron Tognat now. And that was just like, oh, well, it's, it's just funny how much of just ask a person and see what happens. Exactly. Right. I mean, look at Jamie McLennan. I just shot him a tweet and I'm just like, yeah, Jamie's got how many thousands of people he's not going to see this. He's not going to respond. And then he DMs me. He goes, yeah, what do you guys think? And I was like, what, really? Cool. Okay. The Jamie, the Jamie stories are so good. Dude, even his book is still fantastic. And the fact that we got to talk with Ian Mendez about that last time he was on the podcast. Okay. Ian Mendez saying fuck was amazing. <laughs> that right there. He could have just said, yeah, I'm not going to do this episode. If we had just ended it at that, I would have been happy. Yeah. But, but then, no. you know, the best part about it was, is that, because uh, he's talking, speaking of Brett Wallace, Brett Wallace on the Wally of a Thought Show said, fuck. Because he was talking about, because um, he was doing a game for TSN against the Flyers and Blackhawks in 2010. Like one of the finals games. And he's filling, he's in, I think he's in Chicago. And he, for whatever reason, he wore an orange tie. Yeah. He's walking down the uh, the um, concourse in the United Center, and all you hear is, go back to Philly, you fucker. <laughs> go back to Oh, God. that's the stuff I love hearing those kinds of stories, man. It's so good. To Philly. That's, that's incredible. Yeah. Uh, so good. So good. So, Tim, you know, as much as it's great that you and I are the cover athletes for this episode, we got to talk about next week's cover athlete poll because next week's episode is season five, episode six, and chronological order, episode one oh one and believe me it's the senator's goalie edition now we got three names on the board and believe me we got some heavy hitters man damian rhodes razor ray emery and mike condon yeah they're all such interesting players for, for different reasons for the senators too it's true and like, sure, like Craig Anderson and Patrick Goldbeam aren't on that list to be voted over as well, but it, it's a good collection of Senators goaltending through the years. It is true, and it represents three different eras of the Senators, right? Yes. Rep- Damien represents the expansion years, Razor represents our golden years, and Mike Condon represents, I, I, I would say Craig Anderson more represents the Carlson years, but Condon was definitely... 2017 for sure well condon was instrumental to that playoff run even happening yeah and it's funny you mentioned Liam and anderson because they were both cover athletes in the past yeah but this is cool though man like we get to finally we actually get some actual cover athlete polls this is kind of cool it's like we get a clean slate here we get a bunch of players that we didn't talk about because i think our first cover athlete was like who the fuck was it yarko rutu or it was pretty deep down the number list. It was in, because in, in, in mid-30s, yeah. We didn't start doing that until, like, if not, I want to say, like, somewhere in season two, we started doing that. I think so. I'll have to look into that. But, yeah, I think it was something like that. Yeah, we were at least 34, 35 episodes into the mainline episodes. Wow. So. But, no, next week's going to be great. You know, we got some 
good people on the cover athlete poll, but also we got a guest co-host for next week as Joseph St. Amour from the Wraparound Hockey Podcast will be joining us to do next week's episode. All right. It's going to be a good one, man. It's going to be a good one. I'm really looking forward because it it's hard to believe it's going to be his third appearance here on the show. Like for a lot of new listeners, they wouldn't even believe that he's already been on the show twice in the past. Well, to be fair, that was like twice in two weeks. True. It would be nice to know. And him. I was only there for one of them. <laughs> it's true. Well, it's nice to see that he's going to be going from being a seat warmer to actually having a seat. Yeah. <laughs> that was... Uh, it's going to be a good episode. It's going to be a good Oh, episode. totally. Yep. So, Tim, outside of going for a hike there yesterday, how has your week been going? Uh, not too bad. Mostly just busy with work stuff again. You know how that goes. Yeah. Yeah, man. I know exactly how it goes. I mean, for me, I only got to work three days this week because we I got a four-day weekend. It's my fourth day. So, no, it was not a bad weekend. I was going to go with Katrina down to the Royals game on Friday. The game got postponed. A couple of players got COVID. Oh. So, the game for that weekend got postponed. She came over Saturday because we were doing Thanksgiving dinner. So, it was good. We got to hang out, whatever. And then... No. No, sorry. What am I talking about? She was here yesterday. It was Sunday. And Saturday, we're, we're in Victoria. So, yeah. Right. But I was good. You know, honestly, it was a good couple of days off and going back to work now. So, can't complain, man. Can't complain. Nope, not at all. Yep. Although, we do have one more segment that I need to talk about. Ride of Orange time. We get our first expansion game. Sorry, it's not our first... <laughs> You blew it. I blew it. We're going to edit that. No. We get our first. Keeping that ex- in. Oh, God. Oh, Chelsea. Our- she's walking away. Yeah, yeah, oh, she's uh, we got our first exhibition game between the Dream Monkeys, our team, who are in League B, and the Ice Hogs in League A. Okay. And uh, the new girl, who's kind of like the like the top under U16 player, you decides that she could put the whole team on her back. She scores the first goal, and then the whole team, everyone's like, you know what, we just have to play her really aggressively, and don't worry about the other guys. And she doubles down, it's like, I'm going to do all the offense, you guys just play defense. That goes about as well as you think it does. Oh, so, end of second period, uh, other the, the Ice Hogs are up 3-1. to one. And as she's walking, walking towards the dressing room after the second period, the other team's coach looks at her, is like, if you can't trust your teammates, you have to lose that pride. And that kind of clicks her brain. That's like, I gotta play hockey as the team sport. So yeah, she learns the power of the power of teamwork, trusting in your friends, all wholesome stuff. And I remember back when I was talking about the beginning of the show, uh, one of the weird things is it opens with kind of like an idle dance routine. And a lot of people are like, Oh, I'm not sure about this. And is this idle stuff going to detract from the hockey? And the way they appear to be approaching this is they have their had their victory dance during the credits. Okay, so, so is, it's it kinda, like, is it kind of like the hurricane storm surge in a way? Kinda, and it doesn't at this point it doesn't seem obtrusive. So if it like keeps being like this, I would say that they've reasonably threaded a difficult needle. I'm still a little sad that it has to be there in the first place because it just kind of shows that they're not. They didn't think hockey was a winner. 
and it okay. needed something to boost it up. But if they can thread the needle and still tell what is mostly a hockey story, mm-hmm. I'm happy. And the skating and the shooting and passing looks a lot better this episode. Okay, so it's greatly improved than how it was in the first episode. Is what you're yeah, saying. it like the games actually feel in, like the way they assemble the games feels kind of interesting. It's almost like you're watching kind of like a condensed game almost, but like it's like right up in the characters and there's a bit of monologuing or mm-hmm. like in communication, but it's kind of cut up that way. And right. It's kind of cool. So I like what they've done. Okay. Okay, sounds interesting. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but is this the sort of thing that we should still get Matt Bosti on the show to do? Yes. And if he admits he has to actually watch it, we immediately click him off the call. Fantastic. <laughs> so, Tim, now that we have recapped our week, let's talk about last week's episode. Because, you know, it was a pretty good episode overall. One of the things I really appreciate about that episode really was talking about Gretzky's final game in Canada, which is something that surprisingly we didn't really do. We talked a lot about him at the Olympics, but we really didn't talk about his final game. No, we did. <laughs> no. Although we did kind of get like, we did get listeners reactions to the game, which I thought was really cool. And mm-hmm. like, it's cool to know that we have some people who are listening to our podcast who actually got to go to the game, which is kind of incredible. Oh, it was. It was so cool. And those are the kind of stories I really love hearing about, right? And that's the nice thing about doing this podcast, Tim, is that we've got to talk with people over the past about how they became fans of their team, certain games that they got to go to. The one comment I didn't make about that cover athlete, though, is while I don't have any memories of the game itself, I do remember his final game against the Penguins because I was about seven years old. I was at my dad's. It was a Sunday afternoon game. And... Well, I do remember watching a little bit of the game. The one memory I still have of the game has nothing to do with it at all. So do you remember those tabletop hockey games? With the little rods, yeah. Yes. Okay, so my dad, I guess he had won out and he came back. So he came back. He he went to a garage sale. He came back with this tabletop hockey game from the 70s. Now, at the time, usually here in Canada, it was Toronto, Montreal. I remember the players was Philadelphia and Buffalo. And that came kind of strange to me. And then I think years after the fact was, okay, well, you know, Flyers and the Sabres played in the Stanley Cup finals in 1975. I think they played in the Stanley Cup finals. So that would make sense. But for whatever reason, that's what I still remember. I still remember that tabletop hockey game. Don't know whatever happened to it. Don't remember if I actually played with it at all, but I had it. Yeah, because, like, the ones that I remember seeing around Halifax were always Toronto-Montreal. Mm-hmm. Which so it's sense. probably one of those things where they, they must have gotten other pieces for it. That's probably what happened, right? Yeah, probably. Although, we do, there is one at Greta Bar downtown Calgary that is uh, Flames versus Oilers. I mean, it doesn't really surprise me, eh? given that you are in Calgary, that a tabletop hockey game would be Calgary-Edmonton, though. Oh, of course. It, that actually seems expected, but yeah, it's just one of those things where, yeah, the piece is probably not probably definitely very based on where they're marketing the darn thing or what's even happening. Like I wouldn't be surprised if uh, they're still making those suckers that the current ones that they just kind of market everywhere would be Montreal and Tampa Bay. That would, yeah, that would make sense. I don't think they do it by team anymore. I think they pretty much do it by just like, standard like white jersey versus standard blue and or red jersey 
it's more fun to do it by the teams though you know it is true tim it is true but you know it is really fun though tim it's segueing to this little segment i like to call top of the hour Very nice, Tim. So, Tim, you know, over the last couple of years, we always start off top of the art by talking about a little thing we like to call Ovi Watch. Oh, yeah. This episode's going to be no different, Tim. Washington Capitals captain Alex Ovechkin passed Brett Hall for fourth on the all-time goals list with 742. Ovechkin, drafted first overall by Washington in 2004, had recorded 12 goals, 12 assists for 24 points in 14 games for Washington at the time of the story. He's not fucking slowing down, is he? No. It's amazing. And I've said this in the past, right? It's amazing for a guy who plays the style that he does. The fact is that he's 36 and he's still going. Guys at that age, their bodies just break down. Yeah, yeah. He's breaking that record. It's, oh, it's happening. It's going to be amazing, man. And you know what? That's a record that I, I, we've said it before, and I'll say it again. That was a record that was deemed unbreakable by everybody. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, Alex Ovechkin's like, cute. Do you think he's going to pat it once he breaks it? Like, if he goes at this pace next year, even goes at half the pace ne- the year after, he's made it, right? I would say about that. I think he's got 140 something left to go. So, yeah. And if he's going at just under a goal a game, like I'm not saying he's scoring 80 goals this season, but I wouldn't be surprised if he gets 60 at this rate. So it's true. And the fact that it's still November, right? If he can continue this pace, if he puts on, put on 50 more goals, that gets him to 800, just about. Jesus. If he plays two more seasons after that and that he, like three, four seasons after that, even if they're not, they're like declining value, mm-hmm. he's got it. Oh, 100%, man. 100%. Unless like the unthinkable happens. Florida Panthers forward Alexander Barkov became the franchise's all time leading goal scorer, passing Ole Okunen with his 189th career goal during the team's game versus New Jersey. Barkov, drafted second overall by the Florida Panthers in 2013, had recorded eight goals, six assists for 14 points in 12 games for Florida at the time of the story. Barkov's such a cool player. He is. I don't know what's just more telling of the talent that is Sasha Barkov or the lack of success by the Florida Panthers. The hard thing, though, is just... Barkov and the Panthers play in a division that have Boston and Tampa Bay. Yeah. Two of the most success, the other most successful teams. That is true. But you got to realize is that Florida for the longest time, they weren't in the same division as Boston. That's true. But Tampa is probably the closest thing they had in their division, right? For the longest time. That's true. But over the last 10 years, when Florida has been climbing up to respectability again. Yep. They were there. They were, but you know what? It's really cool. And I guess it's the same thing we said about Jonathan Huberto when I think he hit career point four something, or I can't remember what number he hit. And you just, I just looked at each other, but like this franchise has been around for almost 30 years. They don't have the great kind of numbers that say Tampa Bay or even say 
Anaheim has. Yeah. No, and it's just funny. Although it's like, I think with this current group that the Panthers have put together, mm-hmm. I think they'll probably do well. Although it'll be interesting to see how well they weather uh, the storm that's around them because of what Joe Quenville did. Or the bigger shit storm if they hire, you know, Torts. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think Torts can adequately coach that team. Not his style. But he could surprise us. That's true. It is true, man. Because he did get a lot of that Columbus Blue Jackets team. That is true, but you got to realize that was really a team that outside of Panarin and Bobrovsky, like they didn't really have superstars on that team. That's true. They had a very good team that was put together, kind of like what the Florida Panthers have, but you know, but they've got Barkoff, they've got Huberdo, so they have big name talent there. Yeah, that that's true. That's true. But what's funny is that might just like with Florida, you also have a lot of guys who can play very good zone defense. So I think uh, who knows, maybe a fairly systematic guy like Torts could be a good fit for them. What about Jets for Kyle Connor has moved past Patrick Line for sixth on the Jets all-time gold list with 140. Connor, drafted 17th overall by Winnipeg in 2015, had recorded nine goals, eight assists for 17 points in 12 games for Winnipeg at the time of the story. You know, we were just talking about expansion teams having surpri- some expansion teams having surprisingly bad all-time records. Yep. This is it right here. Like 140 isn't a lot. That is true. That is true. But I think that really goes, you're right. It goes to show when, no, so much Winnipeg, but Atlanta's lack of success in the draft. Exactly. Because the guys at the top, it's so top heavy. Like you have your, you know, Kovalchuk, your Kovalchuk, your Marion Hosas, your Mark Savards, Heater when he was there. But then you look at the list and you're like, Garrett Axelby. Ray Ferraro, what the hell's going on here? <laughs> yeah, it's this is a team that it didn't have success and it kind of shows. But what's nice is that, especially for the fans in Winnipeg, is that Shovel Day Off and uh, Paul Maurice have kind of turned started to turn it around a bit. Kyle, you know what's funny about Kyle Connor? He's a guy I tend to forget <laughs> how good of a player he really is. Because he's a guy you don't hear about, especially in Winnipeg, where there's a lot of guys on that team. Like you rarely hear about Mike Shifley. You rarely hear about some of the bigger names. Even Connor Hellebuck, you tend to not really hear about these guys unless they're either going on a deep playoff run or they break a record like this. And you're just like, wow, holy shit, Winnipeg? Like that's a pretty good team they got there. It's funny too, because last year, they just kind of stumbled around. And then clowned on Edmonton it's such a just such a bizarre team and the line a trade was such a weird thing too eh like it just kind of happened and I think when we don't really think a lot about Winnipeg because it's just kind of off there in the central division Mm -hmm. Uh, and when you do think about Winnipeg you just think about Connor Hellebuck standing on his head But I think that maybe over the next few years, you'll see some other guys start to fill out that leaderboard a bit more. It's a young franchise, Mm -hmm. but I think they've got enough 
talent on that team that you might see other guys like you got Nikolai Ehlers, Pierre Luc Dubois, and legitimately Blake Wheeler's had a very good career for them as well. Yep. Start to fill that out. Boston Bruins forward Brad Marchand has moved past David Krejci for eighth on the Bruins' all-time point list with 731. Marchand, drafted 71st overall by Boston in 2006, had recorded six goals, 10 assists for 16 points in 11 games for Boston at the time of this story. Krejci is a guy who, it's very easy to overlook him because Boston's top line is so good, but... Go back 10 years and Krejci was always in the kind of that one-two line discussion. And he had a fantastic career. He did. I think for a minute here, I think we need to talk about the Bruins 2006 draft class. You're talking about a year where they picked up Milan Lucic at 50, Brad Marchand at 71. And I'm just going to quickly bring up this because honestly, I don't think I could really... It's amazing, right? The Bruins had a great draft. Let me hear 2006 angel draft for the Bruins, blah, 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 blah. Let's have a look. See. And it's funny that you didn't even mention Krejci. Yeah. Here it is. 2006 NHL draft. Okay. So let's have a quick look. See for the Bruins in the first round. I mean, Boston took, who do they take in the first? Where are they here? Phil Kessel. They took Kessel at five, right? Yep. So they took him at five. Well, I lose each in round two. Round three, they take Marshawn. And four, do they take anybody in round four? Don't think of that. Just think of that. The first three rounds right there. Kessel, Lucic, and Marshawn. And at all those players' primes, that was a legitimate top line. Yep. The only thing is, is that Phil Kessel never got to see the success in Boston. That was the only thing, right? Because they trade him to Toronto. But I think... You can, uh, here's a good one right here. If the castle didn't go to Toronto, Boston doesn't end up with Sagan and Dougie Hampton. Yeah. And it's funny because like even their 2004 draft wasn't that bad either because they pick up Krejci late in the second round, Mm -hmm. like number 63 and Christopher Stieg in the fifth round plus uh, Matt Hunwick in the seventh. So that's a that's still a pretty solid draft. And Krejci's a guy with 700 points in almost a thousand games. Like, that's nothing to sneeze at, man. No, and you cannot ask for better in the second round. So, you know, earlier today we were talking about expansion teams and an overall lack of success. This next story involves an expansion team. Now, you know, and I'm going to tie this into something we said about last week, Mirren Gabrick. Remember last week when I asked you if you think the Minnesota Wild will ever retire Marin Gabrick's number 10? I think they would. This team here, when you heard this guy was getting his number retired, you immediately thought, absolutely, this is a no-brainer. Columbus Blue Jackets have announced they will retire Rick Nash's number 61 during the team's game versus the Boston Bruins on March 5th, my 30th birthday. Nash, drafted first overall in 2002 by the Columbus Blue Jackets, spent nine seasons with Columbus, recording 289 goals, 258 assists for 547 points in 674 games, while being named co-winner of the Rocket Richard Trophy in 2004, before being traded to the New York Rangers in 2012. 
let's talk about Rick Nash for a second. <laughs> yeah. Rick Nash is a guy. There's a term in hockey and it goes of something like being lone on an Island. Rick Nash with the Columbus blue jackets was a man stuck on an Island, especially yeah. in those early years. I think they made the playoffs once with Nash, if I'm remembering correctly. They did. Rick Nash is one of those guys that I don't think the casual hockey fan truly appreciated how good Rick Nash really was. He's a guy that even I will say right now, even I kind of underappreciated how good the guy was. Because I think at the time, because he played in Columbus and they had a lack of success, I thought, oh, it's because Rick Nash is not that great of a player. Yeah. Which is not the right thing to do. Or say. No, Rick Nash had a very tough sled to ride on. He did. And the nice thing is, is for a guy who was just basically single-handedly carried that team for all those years, despite the fact that Columbus brought in a couple of guys that you thought, okay, they would be a good coach. Like they brought in Sergey Fedorov. They brought in Mike Pekka. They brought in guys that tried to artificially surround him with talent. And it goes to show, again, with the last Rashers, I think the Columbus Blue Jackets have done an even worse job drafting. Especially in those early years. Because yeah. outside of... Because in the later rounds... Oh, if yeah. name was not desert. Mark Mathot. If you were not Mark Mathot, who did the Blue Jackets really drafted and developed into a player? That's... Name that's one. Really name one guy who was with Mark Mathot. Uh, yeah i want yeah it's tough because it's like i had to cheat here but we got like rostolov klesa yeah yeah klesla who was taken the first draft but it was like he was taken there and then grant klitsum yeah chris russell like and then they drafted Derek Broussard in 2006. Yeah, but it's weird though, man. Like Rick Nash's tenure in Columbus, you want to talk about a team that wasted his time as much as they did. Yeah. You know, like, even earlier, and I said, you know, he was the co-winner of the Rocket Richard Trophy in 2004. Okay, so the 03-04 season, he played 80 games, scored 41 goals. Now, without cheating, Tim, would you believe me if I was to tell you Rick Nash finished that season with 57 points? Honestly, that Columbus team was pretty bad, so I would believe you. 41 goals, 16 assists. Like, just look at some of these names on this list, though. Like, their their most efficient center was uh, Todd Marchant. Yeah. I think their most efficient defenseman was Anders Ericsson and Yaroslav Spachek. Like, Spachek's a good player. He's just not a top defenseman, you know? Yeah. And you know what's funny? Because I was looking up some Rick Nash highlights today when, you know, I was doing stuff around the house, so I looked up some stuff on YouTube. One play that perfectly sums up Rick Nash's tenure in Columbus. Uh-huh. There was a game versus Arizona. 
in the dying seconds in the third period, I think game is like three, three Rick Nash got the puck at the blue line, deked around one guy, deked around the other guy, deked around the goalie and scored. He literally put the team on his back to win the game. That right there. Do you want to talk about a play that summed up a guy's tenure with a franchise? That was it right there. That perfectly summed it up in one moment. Well, like think about it. The year that uh, New York went to the cup finals, I think that was 2014, 2015 was a year that Rick Nash scores 42 goals with New York. Mm -hmm. Like that's insanity. It is. Now the one final thing I do want to, the one thing I do want to talk about here, Tim, is we're talking about Rick Nash. The one thing that we haven't really talked about and it's something that I don't think a lot of people would really think about when they think of Rick Nash. Rick Nash is the standard of which every London night will be measured up to. Because he was, I would say he's the first big name player the London Knights developed under the Hunters. Right. When Dale and Mark Hunter took over in London, they had Rick Nash. Think of all the players that have come through London since him. You're talking Matthew DeChuck. You're talking Mitch Marner. You're talking Nazem Kadri. You're talking Corey Perry. I mean, you go down the list of guys who are in the NHL today. They were all developed by the London Knights. And it all started with Rick Nash. And what's kind of funny is he's definitely one of the players that I think will not get enough respect, especially because he doesn't have that Olympic gold medal because he's an American. He's Canadian. No, he was Canadian. Why? Wow. Wow. Why did I think he was an American? No, he was on the 2010 team. Right. He was. I think, was he on the 2014 team as well? I think he was, but yeah, no, Rick Nash is a phenomenal player. Yeah. Well, he's a guy. And I was thinking about this too, when I read that he was going to his number retire, because I'm thinking, this is an absolute no-brainer, but he was a guy for a second there. I was thinking he might not be the first guy retired by the Blue Jackets because of Nick Felino. I think Nick Felino's number 71 will be retired by the Blue Jackets if he retires tomorrow. Right, because he is just that long-standing captain. Yeah. Rick Nash, absolutely, for as big of a name as he was, but I think Nick Felino will definitely have his number retired as well. Makes sense. So we got to talk about a retirement, Tim. And, of course, it's a former Ottawa Senator, you know, unfortunately for when he played for us. Former NHL player Braden Coburn announced his retirement at the age of 36. Coburn, drafted eighth overall by Atlanta in 2003, spent 16 seasons in the NHL with five teams, the Atlanta Thrashers, Philadelphia Flyers, Tampa Bay Lightning, the Ottawa Senators, and the New York Islanders, recording 49 goals, 185 assists for 234 points in 983 games while helping Tampa Bay win the Stanley Cup in 2020, as well as winning two gold medals at the 2003 and 2005 World Juniors and a silver medal at the 2004 World Juniors, as well as a silver medal at the 2009 World Championships. He's such a weird player, but I guess he, for a long time, part of his career he was seen as a very good stalwart defensive defenseman and also just a pain in the ass to play against you know what's hilarious tim because we were talking about we're talking about Braden colburn here one of the episodes we didn't mention remember when we did the 2003 redraft 
and Braden Colburn was in that draft. Who did we take over him? Was it Carter? Something like that. I think, I think you took Jeff Carter over him with one of the teams. Yeah, because it, it didn't make sense for that team to go after a defenseman. I'll have to go back and re-listen to it. Yeah, that was a good episode too, by the yeah. way. I think I took with Columbus. I think I said Dion Phaneuf. You said Jeff Carter. Yeah. Yeah, because they I thought Columbus needed the edge. But what's so interesting about uh, Braden Coburn is, especially in his earlier career and those years in Philadelphia, he was what I think a lot of people mean when they mean a good defensive defenseman. And he could also score. Like he could put, he was good at like 23, 24. He was good for about a point, a point an hour of hockey played, which is pretty, actually really good. And he was an important part of those Philadelphia teams that made some noise in the playoffs. And uh, especially that weird Stanley cup final in 2010, where neither team had, where both teams had just a goalie. They found off the street, essentially. Yeah, because I'm just looking at his junior numbers here. Like, he put up some decent numbers. Like, he put up 37 points. He topped out at 44 in his last year in juniors. So, it's not like the guy didn't have any offensive talent. No. It's just as he aged, you kind of saw the first thing to go was the offense, and then it was the defense after that. Yeah. Well, I, I'm just looking at the 2003 draft here, Tim. The fact is that Dion Phaneuf went right after him. But then think of it, you know, Dion went number nine, Jeff Carter went 11, Brent Seabrook went 14. Like, I, I get it. He was a big defenseman, but you could have taken Dion at number eight. It's tough yeah. because, like, for about five, six years, Philadelphia got top line minutes and they weren't bad top line minutes out of Braden Coburn. So it's hard to argue that he was taken too high, I think. Because in his prime, Braden Coburn was very good. So let's move our attention away from a former NHLer to a current NHLer. Montreal Canadiens goaltender Carey Price gave an update regarding his leave from the team. Price, who took a leave of absence from the Canadiens in early October, stated that he had entered rehab to help with a substance abuse program. Or problem, I should say. Sorry. Good on. Like, good on Carey Price. And that's a thing. And, you know, it's funny because we talked a couple of weeks ago about Kyle Beach and the, the whole thing with the Blackhawks. It's nice to see guys who are suffering with their mental health and take substance to numb that pain or getting the help they would need. Yeah, because the last thing you want to see is these guys who are pillars of communities drink or drug themselves to death. Like with Hayes in Boston, that was legitimately sad. And for someone like Carey Price, who's pretty much a pillar of the Montreal community at this point, that would be devastating. And it's good on him for having the strength to realize that I, I need to do something. Because that's one of the hardest parts. And wish him the best, you know? 100%. And you know what? This story reminds me of Jordan Tutu, another person of indigenous background, who rose, got his way into the NHL and, you know, had substance abuse problems and got the help that they needed, right? Yeah. So I think it's great. Sticking with this, Tim, though, Tim, and, you know, again, we were talking about the Chicago Blackhawks name a few weeks ago. This is probably another – this is a story that's definitely in the aftermath of what was going on. 
Anaheim Ducks executive vice president and GM Bob Murray resigned from his position with the team following being placed on an administrative leave amid an investigation into his workplace conduct. Murray, who has been with the Ducks since 2005, has announced that he will enter a treatment program for alcohol abuse. The interim GM role has been given to Jeff Solomon. If the Ducks are going to an outside investigator, I don't want to say anything that makes it seem like I have additional knowledge to the situation because I don't. Yep. This, this seems bad. Well, you know what, Tim? This is the same thing that I was going to say, again, kind of on the same lines as Carey Price. Or, you know, good on him. Good on him for getting the help he needs. But the thing is, though, I can't go that far and say that because when you read and you hear about the toxic work environment and just how abusive he was to his coworkers in Anaheim. Well, here's the difference ridiculous. between Bob Murray and Carey Price. Carey Price, from what we know, did it of his own volition. Right. Bob Murray is doing this because there's probably lawsuits involved and it's either this or get sued into oblivion. Yeah. And that's it could be I'm, both. Exactly. And that's the kind of the lines I'm trying to go with too, right? Is that, you know, it's different between what Carey Price and what Bob Murray's doing. Yeah. No, it's like the difference between realizing you have a problem and then going and going because you're, there's a, there might be a gun to your head. Well, either way, hopefully, uh, I guess, hopefully for the people that are around Bob Maria, he also gets the help he needs. And we're going to close off top of the hour, not by talking about an Ottawa Senator story, but we're going to be talking about a fine. Caroline Hurricane's defenseman Tony D'Angelo has been fined $2,000 under rule NHL Rule 64 for diving slash embellishment. D'Angelo has had two separate citations this season. For embellishment? Yep. <laughs> Jesus Christ, dude. Like, if it's getting to the point where he's been fined multiple times, you think the coach would sit him down and like, dude, stop. Because I did watch the play, and it's like, yeah, he flopped. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't be doing that. No. No, you can't. And it's nice to see that the NHL is at least taking this very seriously and are finding these guys for it, right? Yeah, yeah. But, but then again, what's well, so unsportsmanlike too, right? To do shit like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like, yeah, you're you're intentionally trying to defraud the refs. Yep. Well, Tim, that wraps up top of the hour for this week, which can mean only one thing. It's time to start talking about some games. Now we got three games on the schedule. We've got the Sens versus the Bruins the Kings versus the Sens, and the Penguins versus the Senators. All right, Tim, let's start talking about the Sens versus the Bruins. This is a 3-2 Bruins victory. Sens goals are scored by Zach Sanford and Nikita Zaitsev. Bruin goals are scored by Brad Marchand, Derek Forbort, and Patrice Bergeron shot for 36-27 for Boston. It's not an even game overall. Both teams started off the game playing fast and physical, with Ottawa getting the better of the chances early on. Despite that, Boston would take over in the second period, controlling the play and getting the bounces, which they would carry to the W. So talking about Ottawa in this game, this is a game that I don't think Ottawa played a bad game. 
if I'm being perfect, they didn't play a bad game, but Boston got a lot of the bounces going for them. What I'm going to say is that Ottawa, they did that. They sort of did that thing where they disappeared for a period. You know how they do that? Mm -hmm. And I think I've realized kind of what they were doing. And I think Jamie McLennan pointed it out. It was either Jamie McKenna or Gary Galley pointed it out where a lot of times during the second period, they're not trying, they're trying to just avoid getting pantsed on, on a change. So they'll just skate to the blue line, dump it in and skate and skate away. So what it turns into is the opposing team just keeps bearing down on them, bearing down on them, bearing down on them. And that started happening for about the first half of the second period. And then all of a sudden the tide changed. You get a massive fucking hit from Josh Brown. Like Josh Brown absolutely leveled. I want to say it was Grizzlick. Then Zaitsev scores that goal and Formanton absolutely beats the crap out of someone. Who knew the guy could fight, right? That's what really surprised me in that game. I was like, holy shit, Alex Formanton can actually throw the glimits? Well, I'm not surprised. He's fast on foot. I'm not surprised that he has a fist of fury as well. And like, those were just like big punches, fast punches too. And like that just all of a sudden changed the tempo of the game. Like Bergeron was able to get a pretty lucky goal, all things considered, but damn, that was an effective five minutes from the senders and probably some of the best hockey that I've seen out of that team. Oh, it was so good, man. It was so good. So let's talk about a couple of players. Now start off with Zach Sanford, Zach Sanford, one goal on four shots. Now, funny enough, this is the first time he played the Boston Bruins since winning the Stanley Cup in 2019 with St. Louis. He got a goal on his birthday playing top line minutes. And what's kind of funny is as a cleaner, he didn't look terribly out of place, but that top line did not have a good night. No. Other than that first goal, which Sanford, it was great placement, great puck work by Norris and Kachuk and Sanford just there to clean it up. Very beautiful play. Lot, just a lot of chaos in front of the net. Great shot by Brady to set it up. And then whoop, puck to Sanford in the net. Great goal. The Marshawn line, otherwise just kind of run ran rough shot over the San, Sanford, Norris, and Kachuk line. Which, you know, in principle, I actually don't agree. I don't disagree with DJ Smith taking Batherson off the front, the top line to play with Stutzla on the second. I actually think that's a reasonable thing to do because like Stutzla is so talented that it, once you, if you can get him going, I think Ottawa legitimately has two very effective offensive lines that you're not completely uh, shutting down the offense by taking one of your most consistent players away from uh, Josh Norris. Sure. So it's like, I don't disagree with this coaching decision. No, not at all. Not, not at all. So let's take a minute and talk about Matt Murray. 33 saves, a .917 save percentage. You know, and I don't know how you felt about him in this game, but I actually really liked how he played. The one moment for this in this game, robbing David Pasternak after he bailed out Thomas Shabbat. Yeah. That allowed the game to continue in my eyes. Yeah. And I guess that's the thing with uh, Matt Murray is he played a very good game. It just sucks that he kind of let in a softie. Yeah. But here's the thing. If Ottawa had played a tighter game, Ottawa probably wins this and Matt Murray 
looks good. Now, the only other comment I got on this game, Tim, and this is something that I think was kind of cool. I don't know if you picked up on this. Phil Gustafson was sitting on the bench <laughs> because he got called up. So because he got called up, he couldn't bring his own gear. He was wearing Anton Forsberg's pads on the bench, the white ones with the yeah. red, black, and gold. I don't really like Gustafson's all red setup. It's just kind of meh. But when I saw the white pads with like the black and red and gold, that, that looked popped. good. You know what it really reminded me of? If you ever remember Ray Emery's pads. Oh, those were nice. They look like Razor's pads or even Dominic Osage's pads. Razor's whole setup was great. Actually, let's see. I got a figure right here of Razor. Let's see. Like, I really like the, like, kind of the claw motive. And uh, was it? Yeah, and his helmet, beautiful. I don't know if you can see that. Yeah. yeah. Nah, Ram, Ray Emery's pads were great. Oh, so good. So good, man. So nice. And it's funny because this is not the first person who is not Anton Forsberg to wear Anton Forsberg's stuff. Because Artie Party yep, got to wear say, last huh? season. <laughs> and it's kind of weird that, like, Anton Forsberg's been kind of out of games on very short notice a few like enough times that that's happened and this was really unfortunate because like they were warm they were doing practice drills and all of a sudden Anton Forsberg looks like he's about to throw up at center ice and Matt Murray's like well I guess I'm taking all practice then and I thought yeah Matt Murray played a very good game and I don't think you can hang this loss on no no we really can't which isn't to say like I, I do like I think uh I'm happy with the goalie controversy that's going on in Ottawa right now. Because we're getting, I think we're getting good play out of Matt Murray and we're getting good play out of Forsberg. At this point, I think Forsberg might, sorry, we're getting good play out of Matt Murray. We're getting good play out of uh, Gustafsson. And Forsberg's starts have been questionable. At this point, I think Forsberg might be expendable. Very much so, man. Very much so. Kings versus Senators. This is a two to nothing Kings shutout victory. Kings goals are scored by Anze Kopitar and Andreas Athena CU. Shots were 36 34 for Ottawa. A somewhat game overall. Both teams took turns getting chances throughout. However, LA ended up getting all the bounces, which would lead them to the W. What a fucking frustrating game this was. Ottawa this is a severely game. outplayed. This is a game we should have won. Yeah. We should have won this game. Jonathan Quick was 2012 Jonathan Quick. And it didn't help that Ottawa also rung three goals. Like three, what should have been goals. Like Quick was completely beat off the post. Tierney did it. Nick Pauls was like the, how did you not score that? No, it was this right here. Kelly whiffed. Right. Kelly whiffed on the two-on-one. Batherson got stoned in front. That was incredible. Chris Tierney hit the crossbar and went out. I thought it scored. I thought he went in. Yeah. And Tim Stutzla missing the net. The clip of him skating off the bench and just breaking his stick over the bench. That's a kid who is frustrated. That, And that's a game. And it's funny because I'm usually not at home when I watch the games because the games happen while I'm at work. This was a game that I actually got to watch on Thursday night. 
I'm in the basement and all you hear is, why did you not bury that? And I'm getting texts from upstairs going like, what are you yelling about? <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's right. Cause I'm usually not at home when these games happen. Well, it's like, Oops. it's funny because I remember I left the house around the Stutzla chance. Mm-hmm. And then that's kind of when the Kopitar, I was out of the house when the Kopitar goal happened and I was obviously gone with the Antetokounmpo goal happened because uh, I got dragged to Olive Garden. Question. Yes. How are the breadsticks? The breadsticks, they taste like butter and salt because they're covered in bread, butter and salt. Ooh. Okay. The entrees kind of suck. I, I, I fucked up. I should have just gotten a soup and just eaten breadsticks. I ordered a lasagna. It was the size of the palm of my hand. It was $17 at fucking Olive Garden. Like, straight up, Olive Garden sucks. Don't go there. Well, Tim, that's the thing about this game, right? I have no notes on Olive Garden, but I do have some notes on Philip (laughs) Gustafson. 34 saves, a .944 save percentage. He's played such a good game in this. And you got to admit... I felt so gutted for him on those goals. Cause those are goals that as a goalie, you're just like, those are the goals you hate giving up. I didn't see the Anthony CU goal. What happened? I taught my head. I couldn't even tell you what was going on in that goal. So because I wish I could sit here and tell you what happened. I can't remember off the top of my head what happened in that game, but the Hockey Colton is telling went... me a tip and deflection. So I'm guessing it was just weird. Yeah, I think it went off Delzato. I think another goal oh. went off Delzato went in, right? And that's a that's a killer, right? So now the other other comment I can make on these games, and I'm calling these the COVID call-ups. Yep. Heatherton and Lassie Thompson. They were fantastic. They played really well. And even Mark Mathod on Twitter said the same thing. He goes, man. Because he, he was talking about Heatherton. He says, man, Heatherton looks so good. He's just like playing so simple. Just plays a simple game. He's not trying to force it, not trying to make any mistakes. He looked good. I was a little sad that Brandstrom didn't play more because like Shabbat playing 32 minutes was needless. You probably could have given Brandstrom and Brandstrom, Hetherington a bit more time. I know you're missing Zoo. Like that's not that's not contentious. And I think Shabbat might have played a better game. Yeah, well, uh, Zoo actually got hurt in this game because he tried, he took a hit and he took a head right to the face. He skated off. I'm like, uh-oh. Thank God he was back. Yeah. But I, uh, I will comment, though, Tim, because, you know, you're talking about the Olive Garden, is that two of these games, I was on the tweets. Yeah. We've been splitting twit duty. It's been good. Yeah. It's Here's another good. thing. Okay. Scott Sabrin played four minutes. If you're a team that's missing as many players as you are, you cannot afford to have a guy riding pine just to punch face. No. You cannot. Like there are other players that you can bring that you can give a chance in uh, Belleville. Like if you're not fully convinced on the centers, you can bring up Dagazino. I think he's probably more valuable than Sabarin. We thank God they brought up Sokolov. He's looked great. Oh yeah. Uh, it's a shame that like, but I guess that's the thing is Ottawa is so damn depleted that like a guy like Sabarin ends up making it through. Like I'm actually surprised. Oh, his name's at the tip of my tongue. Why can't I think of him? No, Crookshank's injured. Yeah. Like, you, you have to imagine that Ottawa wishes they, they could phone up the Wheat Kings and call on Ridley Greig. 
Yeah. You really have to imagine that they wish they could do that. Yeah. Or even get Jake Sanderson out of the college. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I don't think they're as pressed on the defense, right? No. Because like they still have like Pontus Auberg and a few other guys that they can call up before they get into the dire, dire straits. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but Heatherington, Heatherington is been he's been more than you can ask. And between this game and the Calgary game, I don't see how Josh Brown gets in the lineup. No, no. Because Heatherington does everything Josh Brown is supposed to do and more. Well, even look at Heatherington destroyed a guy. Look at Lassie Thompson. That guy went from like. Oh yeah, he'll never make it in the minors too. Why the hell is he in the minors? Yeah, he looked him and Shabbat looked poised. And this is incredible. We're talking about a guy who played in Belleville the night before, all of a sudden looks poised on playing top top line minutes. Like 22 minutes a night is a lot for a defenseman. He's playing 22 minutes a night against the hottest team in the Angel. Yep. And he looks good doing it. 100%. Do you think the reason why Brandstrom maybe didn't get more minutes is that he was actually injured during the game? I think so. I think so because it later came out that he's out four to six weeks with a broken hand. And my thought was like, when and how did he break his hand? Yeah, because I'm just pulling up the shift chart here. And Brandstrom has, yeah, he has like, hit the number. Of, his number of shifts goes down quite a bit in the third period. And they're shorter too. Mm-hmm. So, so it's like, thought, I think it's just, he was somewhere. injured. Yeah. What's interesting is like the last two defensemen on the ice for Ottawa though, other than Shabbat were Brandstrom and Thompson. So it's like, as much as it's like, we like to say that DJ Smith doesn't trust Brandstrom. Yep. It seemed because he could have thrown out Delzato Heather, or Hetherington. And the last not Shabbat shift was, was uh, Brandstrom and Delzato. So it's like, there's definitely some trust there. So do you have any more comments you want to make of this game before we head off into the pens and sends game? No, this one's tough to talk about because like Ottawa played so well. Penguins versus Senators. This is a six to three. Se- Holy shit. The Senators actually won a game this week. Hey, all right. Losing streak over. Let's go. Six, three Senators. Penguins goals are scored by Evan Rodriguez with two and Kasperi Kapanen. Sens goals are scored by Drake Bastrom with two, Zach Sanford, Michael Delzato, eh? Okay. Parker Kelly and Tam Stutzla. Chopper 31-23 for Pittsburgh. Ottawa outplayed Pittsburgh through this game. Despite a boring first period, Ottawa would get their offensive game going, which resulted in the floodgate bursting, which swelled their lead, getting them the much-deserved W. Now, let's talk Drake the Snake Batherson. Two goals. Two timely goals. On six shots man this guy is an absolute beauty he came through huge for us in this game and what was his reward covid allegedly allegedly but it's like patterson was on oh my and god was he ever you know oh, he, he was so like, good he looked like daniel freaking alfredson and what's funny is patterson made the most of his chances. He was all over the ice, winning puck battles. 
and he was on the right side of the fancy stats and he looked damn good to my eye. Oh, um, so good. That pass over from Ennis. Oh, Ooh, so good. And then having the wherewithal to like Ottawa had been in the slip in the spin cycle. Pittsburgh just rings a, a puck off the post. Ottawa screws up a clear Heatherington almost gets an empty netter. It's another defensive zone face off with a tired group of legs and an unlikely group of forwards actually manages to clear that out and get the goal. Cause if I'm not, if I am correct, I believe, I believe Philogan Shaw was on the ice for that. Yeah. But you know what? That Parker Kelly goal, that's a clear goal that even you knew that's a goal scorers goal right there. That's like he did. And he was so excited and uh, so good. So good. Well, it was such a nice move. And for a guy who went undrafted, you don't expect that out of him. No. And here's the thing over the last few games, Parker Kelly has really cleaned up the defensive side of the game. And that's allowed him to be kind of on the offensive zone a bit more like Parker Kelly looked great against Gunsel Carter and Russ, like the Kelly Paul Shaw line. They shut that fucker down. So let's talk about some guys here, Tim Thomas Shabbat, two assists and three shots. Now I can live with him having two assists, but I wish he scored in this game. The only thing I got to comment though, Tim, I wish Shabbat would stop trying to shoot through crowds. How many times has he shot through and he doesn't get it through? I'm guessing it's, he's being coached to do that. Yeah, I, I get that. But why is it that he'll shoot through a crowd, but when he sees it wide open, he'll pass it over? Yeah, I don't get that. That's the part that really drives me nuts with Thomas Shabbat. And I've said this in the past. Shabbat needs to start shooting. But I, I get it. Maybe DJ Smith's telling him, shoot through crowds, get a deflection in front. But you know what? When he has chances, when he's wide open and he doesn't take those shots, you, you just got to shake your head and be like, why, dude? Come on. Fair enough. Uh, I'm actually really happy that Bernard Docker got an assist this game. Okay, do you want to talk about the Sens young guys right away? So Yeah. So you already talked about Heatherton. Or, uh, yeah, Heatherton, sorry. Missed the open up. God, that's gut-wrenching right there. He was, what, that close? Yeah, well, here's the thing. I'm not going to deny him that he had the right idea. Yeah. Because like if he either gets in the net or it falls short of making the net, the Sens get it out of the zone. Pittsburgh's out. Ottawa gets to change. Everything's hunky dory. That is a hundred percent the right play. It's a game of, if it was a few inches to the left, which is almost completely out of his control at 200 yards. So yeah, it's sorry, 200 feet. Uh, that that's the game. Hetherington gets an NHL goal. Yep, and uh, he stops the spin cycle. It's Batherson getting like it's really nice that Batherson got two points in sorry four points in two in the game. But no, it's Hetherington made the right play and he looks calm and collected. And I think here's the big thing is he seems he seems hungry. You know. Hmm. Even Lassie Thompson this game, I thought, played really well. You mentioned JBD has got his first point. I don't know how you felt about him. I thought he looked okay. JBD, I just wish he played more time. Yeah. Uh, I actually like Michael Delzato this game. 
Yeah, I didn't mind MDZ in this game. What's interesting is Ottawa's defense just seemed a lot more mobile this game. And like last game too. And what's funny is Del Zotto, he seems to match the rest of the defensemen. Like when it's stuck in the mud, Zaitsev and Josh Brown, Del Zotto seems to play really stationary as well. But when you get him in kind of a way more up-tempo defensive system, he actually kind of fits. Mm -hmm. And the like he actually played pretty well in the penalty kill. Like he seemed aggressive and that power play goal was really nice. Like a good face-off win and just a clean shot. So there is a couple of guys I do want to talk about. Now let's talk about Philip Gustafson. 28 saves, a .903 save percentage. As much as I wish he could have gotten the shutout, that Penguins attack in the final several minutes, I'm literally laying on this bed and I'm just like, I bite my knuckles. You're like, no, 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 do not blow this. Do not do this to me. As much as that Rodriguez slap shot goal was a really nice goal, he kind of needed to he needed to steal either that or the captain and slap snapshot. Like he needed to he needed to steal one of those. He did. Uh, honestly, not his best game, but I think during the third he stand he stood well enough because like I was getting I was getting nightmares of the New York Rangers game where Ottawa flubbed that four zero lead. And this is something that I was thinking while watching that game is we talk a lot about bringing in veterans who've seen, seen everything and done everything, but this is a team that still, it gets a little overconfident. And then once things start, once a few quick goals go in, all of a sudden it's everything's scrambly, nothing's working anymore. And what's nice is that Gustafson then made a massive save after the second, the second Rodriguez goal everything all of a sudden starts to look a little better. And then the game's over with a really good work, as you said, by Hetherington, by Batherson, by Chris Tierney, who I believe was on the ice for that as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was just a very, very good gutsy team effort. Uh, Who else do we want to talk about? Tim Stutzler Stutzler getting the monkey off the bat. That was just a goal scorer's goal. I'm amazed he didn't blow his shoulder out with how hard he windmills. He's like, yeah. Just it was so I was so happy for him because he he perfectly nailed it. And I'm just like, he finally did it. It's funny because this is one of the games where he just wasn't generating as many shots as I'm used to him generating. But I guess this time it counted. Uh <laughs> of course the commentators point out that first period, Stutzel just gets a beautiful chance, whiffs on it. He had white tape on the stick. Second period. Black tape on the stick scores. No, I, you're oh, right. did I get backwards? No, he had white, black. He did have white, black. He flipped the tape. So it's getting to the point in the drought where Stutz was just flipping the tape. He's just testing everything at this point. No, but, not. and that's the incredible thing is I think it's going to, hopefully the floodgates break open for him. I know. As I'm showing you right there. There it is. Ah, uh, the Stutzla tape. It's a tape. I will say this. I've said this on Twitter is that I've been using that tape job for a while now. And I think I can cradle the puck and handle a puck so much better with that tape job. It's weird with a lack of tape on it. I don't know what it is, but it's good. One thing I do have to say about Pittsburgh is DeSantis did not play well. And you know what? I'm not going to besmirch Pittsburgh for their effort because this is another team that is also COVID depleted. 
Yeah. Like, I'm actually really surprised this game went on. Oh, I actually, there is one comment. You sorry, just dismiss. Sorry. Is uh, Shane Pinto. Oh, shit. He looked guy, so yeah. much pain. And now what? it looks like his season's probably over, too, if he has to have shoulder, excuse me, shoulder surgery. Yeah. And it's shameful because it, it looked like the dude didn't didn't miss a beat. No. He looked so good out there. And it's it's, it really is. Um, is there anything else that I... Right. DeSmith looked bad. Yeah. Like, he got weird like the Sanford goal was a cleanup goal that probably shouldn't have happened and then the like the Del Zotto and Kelly goals were good the Stutzel goal was good even the first Batherson goal was was a good goal but it's just like you gotta save one of those yeah. so Tim this would be time of the episode where we would segue into the close but because of the postponed games for this week do you want to talk about the Flame Sens game from yesterday? Yeah, I'm I'm actually just going to say one thing about this game because I didn't watch it. This is a game like this game and the Pittsburgh Washington game should not have happened. No. <clears throat> Excuse me, and this is the thing that you and I were talking about this where it's like these games should not have happened. And then the NHL came out today and it was like, yeah, these the next three games are postponed. Yeah, because not a week too late, but you know they're postponed. Ottawa's missing 15 players, 15 regular players on this game. I remember like looking on my phone as we're, as I got self service again, just to see what Ottawa's lines were. I was like, Oh no. Cause let me read out the top two lines on the offense for you. Cause we already know that the defense situation was the defense that you rolled last game. Yep. Tim Stutzla, Josh Norris, Brady Kachuk. Not bad. Okay. Not bad. San Sanford. Sorry, Zach Sanford, Nick Paul. Logan Shaw. No, actually, I do want to mention about Zach Sanford because he did have a beauty fight with Erica Branson in that game last night. That's good. But it's just like, that just goes to show how completely depleted the Ottawa Senators are. You have a, a guy who's an, NA, an AHL center playing top, your second line right wing. The bottom line was Agazino, Sabarin, and Kelly. But Kelly ended up playing 16 minutes while Agazino and Sabarin played less than 10. Yeah. Uh, it was a rough game. Forsberg, and from what I heard, Forsberg let them down. Yeah, he did. He did. But I, I think the thing was that, honestly, like even in my notes, like Calgary really, Calgary dominated Ottawa last night. Yeah. Like it was not even close. And the thing is, that, like, I get it. Ottawa doesn't do great on the second of back-to-back nights. But the thing is, is that two things that I really noticed, Calgary's offense just came out of the gate, playing physical, getting shots, getting chances. But Calgary on defense, though, completely smothered Ottawa. But you could tell they were kind of out of gas in that game. They were just yeah. like, okay, guess we'll carry the puck. Like, they'll carry the puck and next thing, like two to three flames just like storm. Well, it's, a, it's an exhausted team. They've had to put up, like, and they're just, they're missing 15 regulars. Like, here's the thing about the Ottawa shift chart is you've got Hetherington, Bernard Docker, and Lassie Thompson. That, like, half your defense core is non-regulars. Sokolov, Agazino, Sabrin, Kelly. Even Tierney didn't play the full shift last year's shop. No. That's half of your forwards who aren't regulars. 
And then you're also miss you're missing Colin White and to, and uh, one of your usual your usual thirteenth forward. Like that's incredible. Not to mention Brandstrom. Yeah. Yeah, it was brutal. I mean, really, the only two comments I can make of that is like, like I was watching the game with Katrina last night. She's a big Flames fan, so she's yeah. laying here with her Matthew Dechuk jersey. You know, ugh. Yeah. the other Dechuk brother. You know whatever he, i know he scored but whatever and the other comment was it's so nice to have jamie mcclennan doing games but you can kind of tell if you listen to his commentary where his kind of bias kind of was because definitely he would say one thing about the sends and then he just like overloads about the flames yeah. now i get it calgary was winning and whatever but i get it you played for the flames you coached for the flames you but come on noodles <laughs> I love it, buddy. And you know what? Despite all that, the Norris Stutes look at Chuck line didn't play that bad. Yeah. And, and of course, I mean, they were without Drake in this game, too, right? Yeah. So. so it's just a really tough out for Ottawa. But I guess here's the thing is a lot. I remember going into the season, one of our biggest questions about Calgary is like, how have they not done anything to replace the loss of Mark Giordano? And what's interesting is Calgary's defense team defense this year so far is head and I would say better than it was last year. God, I don't want to hear about how Eric Branson was the missing piece. It's not, it's Oliver Kylington. Yeah. I know that mustache. He, he just looks like a cop. Well, it's like Kylington has stepped up in such a big way this season. Like it's actually kind of incredible. True, man. So, Tim, do you have any more comments you want to make on any of these games before we headed off to the close? No, uh, I I'm not gonna lie. From just given how depleted the Ottawa Senators are mm-hmm. via injury, via COVID, they played the best that they could. The LA game and the Pittsburgh game were two very good games against teams that have been playing very well. Yeah. The Calgary game was when you realized that they are completely out of gas. Yeah. That's all we can say, man. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Third Line Plug, Sensecast. I hope you've enjoyed it because, believe me, Tim and I love recording it for you. We're on the National Podcast Network. You can find our page on nationalpodcast.network. You can find our links to iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. We're also on Twitter at Third Line Plug is our Twitter handle. Tim is at m 91 Honey Badger. I'm at Great White Gipster, GR8, W Y T E Gipster. If you want to choose an email to talk about the games, top of the hour or you just want to give your honest thoughts how tim and i are the cover athletes for today's episode choose an email third plus sensecast at gmail.com so tim this would be the time of the close where i would say okay for the games of the week we don't have any games of the week honestly next week we we're going to be talking about the flames and sands aka the chuck bowl we just talked about it but don't worry, the listeners. We've got something planned for you for next week. So it's going to be a good one. Joseph St. Amore, like I said, from the Rapper on Hockey podcast is going to be joining us. It's going to be a great episode. We're going to have lots to talk about with him. And I'm really looking forward to get to talk with him about some hockey again. Yeah. Until next week, guys. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. And this has been Tim Jensen. Go Sams, guys.